All right. You ready for the show? Uh, yeah, Black Widow and Loki today, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, you want to get something to eat after? Sure. Uh, what, what do you want? Your choice. Okay. Uh, Dominican or sushi? <laughs> I, I said your choice, dude. Dominican. All righty. What's the skinny here? Okay. Looks like a run-of-the-mill sequence violation. Variants identified and... Uh, by the sacred time... Oh, God, you're podcasters. You guys are the 1980s stand-up comedians of the 21st century. Uh, all right. By the authority of the Time Variance Authority, I hereby arrest you for crimes against the sacred timeline. Where, where, where did these guys come from? Wait, what? Time Authority? Sacred Timeline? Hey, don't make my hunters have to get rough. Uh, let's tag them back them, boys, and get back home and... Aw. Oh. Aw, oh, jeez. Uh, this is... This is 2021, right? Uh, uh, we, 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 we should have packed masks and, our, and gotten our shots before. Ah, uh, uh, damn. Uh, we're gonna have to quarantine when we get back. What, what the hell is going on? Wait, where, where, where are we going? What in... What... What's happening? What's this all about? Well, partner, uh, let me put it to you this way. You should have picked Dominican. An hour later, inside a TVA quarantine cell. Again, sorry about the quarantine, but after I promise, you'll get a quick processing and then it's off to your trial. Where we'll be executed immediately. I, I, I just can't believe any of this. So you're saying space lizards rule the universe and control all time? Well, when you phrase it like that, it just seems silly. Uh, could, could you show us variants of ourselves with your doodad there? The hell? Why do you want to see variants of us for? Well, something to do before they execute us. We're about to die and you want to do some interdimensional cable of, from Rick and Morty? Yeah, well, when you phrase it like that, it just seems silly. All right, hold on. I got one right here I can show you. It's a version of you from a world where the Cold War never ended. Welcome, fellow loyal comrades. This is Glorious Podcast pertaining to the passion of the fanboys. As our slogan goes in the mother tongue, I am Mikhail Velishkin. As always, I am joined by fellow fanatic adolescent man, Citizen Ng, good comrade from People's Republic of China. I am grateful for your friendship too in the face of the capitalist dogs and their relentless propaganda against the workers' paradise that our two great nations represent. On today's podcast, we speak of Loki's streaming show and a Black Widow film released recently. Citizen Ng, I am surprised they made film of character like traitorous scum Natasha Romanoff. On the other hand, I was a big fan of Red Guardian when I was a small boy growing up on Collective Farm. I saved many rubles to purchase Red Guardian action figure. One can say I idolized him. Gong Chan Chu Yi, Ni Bu Chong Chang, Jing Wei, 
What? No, I am loyal to the party. I am loyal. Unhand me. Release me. Citizening, I am loyal. Net, net. Wow. Jesus. Uh, that got dark fast. Why would you show us that? Oh, oh, hey, hey, sorry about this, but it looks like there was a mix-up. Uh, looking at my doodad here, it seems that we were after, uh, Ted Ng and his friend Manuel Vasquez. Uh, yeah, that's on us. Mia culpa, my hermanos, all right? I'm sorry about that. Can we, I can, let's, 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 let's have a, let's hug this out here. Just send us home. Change my shorts, please? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, uh, good luck with the year 2021 and uh, uh, 2022. And honestly, honestly, just keep your head down until about 2026. <sighs> that was so random. He was right, though. We'll get Dominican. To be continued, a fanboy podcast. Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch us on the various platforms such as iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and to be continued, a fanboypodcast.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe. To be continued is an adult podcast for adults by adults. We may talk about superheroes, sci-fi, comic books, and all sorts of similar crap like that, but we may use adult and frank language when we do so. This is not a podcast for kids, brothers and sisters. Enjoy. And also, you know what? Uh, and we're, gonna... we're back. Welcome to To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast covering your fanboy passions. You may not win anything, but if you stick around, you will have some fun. You better have some fun, like again. This is Clark going through puberty. Yeah, the apparently. voice change, the, the testosterone yeah, aggression. You know, it's getting why better. is my voice always like changing? Well, son, wow, well, if this is how if this is how he's reacting to his voice change, I could the same thing. The the uh, the the hair growing in places is going to be a real shocker. A billion years ago, there were dinosaurs, <laughs> and then <laughs> then came. <laughs> Not this is to be continued, a fanboy podcast covering your fanboy passions. Thank you all for joining us here once again from Jonathan Vergara's Pancake Studios in downtown Brooklyn. Uh, we cover your fanboy passions. This week we've got uh, quite a few things to cover. I'm Miguel Alejandro Velez, one of your hosts. And I am Comrade Edward Ng, <laughs> here at Glorious Pancake Studios. And that is the mascot, Clark. Uh, here at Pancake Studios with our illustrious producer, Jonathan Vergara. So Straight out of Costa Rica, yes. I believe. I'm straight back. Out, straight out of Costa Rica. Well, I don't know what, I don't I even know back, what that means. I am back, my friend. But uh, he is rocking this, what he called UFC hairstyle for some reason. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's, that's pretty It's my odd. UFC uh, women's uh, banterweight <laughs> haircut. <laughs> <laughs> banterweight. <laughs> It's not even oh. nothing official. It's the uh, it's it's the women's not only 
not official. So it's like it doesn't ex- it doesn't exist, and you're not even partaking in the fake man category. It's just I like I like I meant to say bantamweight, but I said banterweight. Didn't you guys see the subtle genius there? Of course. Come on. Uh, we will be covering quite a few things this week. Um, we will have two. Letters quick from in, Putin. Two, two quick Letters. in memoriams um, at the start. One of which will be a uh, sort of a tease of a later show will be that will be coming up, uh, and one is just like sort of a up cop culture uh, um, kicking the nuts in a way. And then we will be covering uh, Loki, which was uh, just finished its season on Disney Plus, and also which was also shown on Disney Plus and was in theaters as well. Uh, Marvel's Black Widow. Uh, the first in memoriam I just want to get out of the way is that uh, we lost a giant. Well, I'm not. That's oh, yeah, not who yeah, I'm going to. I'm, I'm saving that for the next okay. one. Um, we lost someone who, in a way, was also a giant. Ed. Ed. We lost Bismarcky. Oh yeah. Yeah. You Say, said he was just got a friend. What I need. But you say he's she's just, just a, a friend. friend. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, baby, you. I mean, uh, he was the clown prince of, of hip hop. Um, uh, a a completely unique, you know, who else? Like who else in hip hop had that same vibe? Can you honestly think of? I, I know there have to be other guys that are like him, but they're few and far between. And you know, you say Clown Prince, especially with that song, you say uh, Clown Prince with that song. Um, that was a, A, it was a phenomenal hit. Uh, culturally, it was a. Everyone it was knows it. Impactful. It was funny as heck. Um, and yet, very well respected within his circle, within his hip hop. He was uh, always, circle. he seemed to continually be like the ultimate cameo guy. Or, you know, you... No reference if, to Cameo, by the way. No reference to Cameo, but who knows? Maybe Ow. he worked with Cameo. I don't know. It's possible. Um, and he had this sort of energy that he was instantly likable, regardless of whatever the setting he was in. Um, for God's sakes, uh, one of the last things he did a few years ago was uh, he was in the Sharknado New York movie. Oh, was he? Okay, oh, yes. I, I know what he is. Run, he runs a pizzeria. <laughs> And a shark comes down <laughs> through just, the roof. And it just engulfs him? No. Oh, it doesn't. Oh, no. It's so good. It's so good. Um, who's the guy from 90210? Uh, Ian Ziering. Ian Ziering comes Ziering. into right. the pizzeria and it acts like him and Bismarcky. And I think it's like his, uh, Bismarcky's character's name is like Joe or something. And it was like, hey, Joe, you got the greatest pizza. <laughs> hey, that's right. I got the greatest pizza. He's like, and so it's like, uh, you know, Joe, I need your help or something. And it's like, it's raining sharks outside. And Joe's like, man, that's whack. <laughs> A shark comes through the roof, lands on like the, the counter. And Bismarcky takes one of, it's like snapping. And then Bismarcky takes one of the giant like uh, uh, pizza oven, uh, what are you, when the, you the, lift? Yeah, uh, the, 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 um, the, the board, right? Yeah, the yeah. board that you usually like to flip to, to get the pizza out. Instead, picks up the shark with it <laughs> and, and shoves it into the oven. Into the oven <laughs> and then turns it up and then is instantaneously like, whatever you need in your ensuing. I'm thinking of his collaborations with the Beastie Boys mm. as well, 
where, you know, again, he was continually on tracks. I believe he did something for some kid's show, and I don't remember which one it was off the top of my head right now, where he did a thing where it was called, like, Beats of the Day, because he was also, of course, a, a big-time beatboxer. Um, he was in, I believe he was in Men in Black 2. He's the beatboxing alien in Men in Black 2 when they go to, you know, um, get Tommy Lee Jones back. So he was just eminently likable and, you know, cross-generation kind of fixture. Because if you got into any of the, like, again, the people whose music he would cameo on or whatever, you got to know a little Bismarcky on top of that. Um, one yeah, of my that's interesting, though, because he's, you know, it's, he's, he's a cross-cultural media personality. Um, but not, you know, not one of the, like, in, important to a degree, but, of course, you know... He's not Jay Z. He's no, not. He's, he's right. not Biggie. He's not Tupac. Um, you know, you can't pretend. But I think the people who loved him loved him. Uh, I think a, an interesting way to look at his career is simply this: to let you know what I guess the the sort of quantity he was on the Beastie Boys. One of the albums where he does, I want to say it was "Check Your Head," but I could be wrong. But I think it was "Check Your Head," and you know, you have like the credits and the liner notes and. You know, they had all the samplings. They had to give, you know, you got to have credits for the sampling. But also credits sometimes when artists appear on other things if they're coming from another label and stuff. So, you know, so-and-so appears courtesy of Blah Records, right? Bismarcky's credit was Bismarcky appears under his own goddamn... Like, something like that. Bismarcky appears, you know, uh, you know uh, appears under his own goddamn, like, reconnaissance auspices here or something. It was just like... And it's like, because I don't think he had a record contract. I don't think anyone was representing Bismarcky. So he had the ability to just be like, oh, I want to go here and do this. I want to do a cool thing this weekend with my friends. And that's the biggest vibe that comes through him as a person, but also most of his material. It does really feel like... This is just a guy who liked to hang in the studio, had a lot of cool ideas, you know, that he brought from all different places, but, you know, all channeled through the prism of hip-hop. So, a moment of silence for Bismarcky, the clown prince of hip-hop. Uh, now, the next person, uh, we're not really going to get too deep because, like I said, we have a show plan that shows you how... Big this person was because upon their death, uh, I really started thinking, uh, and I think all over, you could see online, a lot of people doing a sort of reappraisal going like, oh my Lord, this person had a lot more influence. The Zack Snyder before Zack Snyder. And, you know, that's, you know, you know he's, his parts of his career mirrors that. He was the forerunner for so many different people. And, uh, of course, we're speaking of the recent loss of Richard Donner. And, no. and uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I'm going to steal a bit from, from uh, Keegan-Michael Key. Riggs, I got a bomb <laughs> on my dick. I love you in that production. The shrimp shrimp production. Because, you know, I mean, the lead, you know, again, we're not going to do, we're not going to cover today. We're going to have a separate show just on Donner. Donner. But again, you know, you were about to say, Lethal Weapon. How big is Lethal Weapon? Yeah, we had a whole uh, discussion. He called me out. He was like, no, man, uh, the Goonies. And I'm like, um, and uh, he's like, think about uh, short round. Short round, right? (laughs) I'm like, wait a minute. 
Was Short Round the same Asian kid as, and this is me, the same Asian kid as from, Data? From, as Data? It's like, you, you for a moment held fast. He was like, no, I don't no, think no, they're no, the same. They're, they're not the same guy. And we had just had a conversation <laughs> where you told me, and anyway. you said, you said, oh, Short Round grew up to be um, a big and I, I have to copy it. in Hong Kong. I was being racist. <laughs> I was being, they all looked the same to me at that point. It's racist, but <laughs> yes, exactly. They all looked the same said, to me at that point. I said, Ed, point. you are now, you're just doing the white supremacist jobs for them. Yeah, pretty the much. Bigots, all the bigots say <laughs> you all look the same, and here you are, an Asian man going like, 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 Day yeah, they all look the same. No, man, man you know, Data, Ernie Reyes Jr., they're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, um, Lethal Weapon, uh, uh, Goonies. The Superman. Superman. Uh, Lady Hawk. Lady Hawk, cult stuff, you know. Um, uh, I'm trying to, uh, Scrooged. Yeah, that's, that's one of your... It's a it's classic. one of your majors. It's, it's, you have to rewatch it at some point, which you're going, I'm going to make you do. Now, I, oh, oh, oh. Oh, are we complaining? What? Well, guess what? Guess what just got added to the assignment? What's that? We were just going to, we were, yo, you, you thought you were going to cruise by, which is like, oh, I'm going to watch oh, no, Lady Hawk is the Omen. Scrooge is fresh in my, in, in my, uh, fresh in my Not fresh in enough, my apparently, my friend. The way you're talking. Which you're, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. And that's what I'm talking. He had this wide range, um, starting out with stuff like on, like, he has a career that goes all the way back to directing the, um, Shatner on a plane episode of the yeah. Twilight Zone. That was one of his. This man. <laughs> on the wing. Uh, and so, you know, an obvious touchstone is going to be the fact that he kicked off all of the superhero movie craze by making the first most perfect superhero movie of all time. Well, you know, with Superman. I, I did say that on our Instagram when he died, and I made a post. Um, Basically, every superhero genre movie, with the exception of Tim Burton, your words, yeah. um, can trace their DNA to Superman the movie. And, you know. He was the guy that cracked the code. Produced, also co producer with his wife on X Men. On the X Men yeah. films. You know, like, again, that's what I'm saying. Not only was Donner a person who had a lot of more influence than we imagined just from the, what he did directly, but. Because of all the stuff that he did, did he was he was connected to launching a lot of other careers, you know. Yeah. So his reverberations are Kevin Feige, are wide. Yeah, exactly. You know, Kevin Feige, Jeff Johns, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, the you know people who went on to be huge. Again, you look at the Goonies and you're like, um, that is a movie that has Samwise Ganges and Thanos in it. <laughs> so like. I think that there needs to be a, a proper appraisal of him. So uh, it's not something we can do really um, at this time. Um, we're going to do it in a later show. We're going to do a deep dive. We're going to do some of his cult. Well, some of the stuff that's maybe not as as thought of because, you know, like uh, me and Ed, like I, I said, I said, you and I, we know Superman the movie top to bottom, up to down. We don't need to watch that again. But I can't remember the last time I, I rewatched The Omen uh, or Lady Hawk. Uh, for that matter, even Lethal Weapon, as much as, again, that's not one we have to do, but it's like, even that I haven't seen in a while. Um, but yeah, I think um, there needs to be a real uh, appraisal of what the, what Donner brought, and it was, we would not be doing probably this podcast if Richard Donner did not accomplish what he accomplished in 1978. So He's the first domino of a lot of things that absolutely. led up to you. you absolutely. Guys, yeah. mm-hmm. So a moment of silence for the great Richard Donner.
Not to be confused with Jeffrey Dahmer, right? It's not his brother or cousin. He had to go there. (laughs) Jeffrey Dahmer. (laughs) Can you hear my sigh, audience? Can you hear the sigh? This is what I have to deal with. This is the crew I'm working with here. Uh, Yeah, stay tuned, folks, for that show. (laughs) Okay, so uh, now with that out of the way, we will uh, first be covering Loki, and then we will be covering uh, the Black Widow feature film after these words from Friends. Hello out there, everyone. My name is Miguel Alejandro Velez. And Edward Ng here. And we are the host of To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. As anyone knows, we are based out of the Park Slope Brooklyn Pancake Studios, providing to us by one Jonathan Vergara. Ed, what can they expect to get out of Pancake Studios? And here at Pancake Studios, covering your audio recording, production, mixing and mastering needs and jonathan is a complete wizard when it comes to these things uh we coming this month it would be our third year anniversary and uh he's made a home for us here and continues to produce quality look no further pancake studios go to www.pancakestudios.net <sighs> oh what's the matter miguel uh i feel fat ed i feel the same way too oh you too john yeah. You guys, you both you guys need to get in shape. And a way to go about this is by going with JP Total Fitness. JP Total Fitness? What's that? Um, our pal Jonathan Padilla, friend of the show, runs a Brooklyn-based personal training and remote coaching service committed to leading you becoming stronger and faster. Go to jptotalfitness.com. All right. Dude. And those were some words from friends. Uh so first on the hit parade is going to be basically uh, we had covered the first few episodes of Loki uh, mm-hmm. in its first season. And now we come to the, you know, the wrap up. I don't think there is much to go through in terms of the episodes that, you know, followed after our first review, because the final episode has this gigantic, you know, elephant into the room aspect to it. Um, we will, but let's just talk generally how we feel about the, the, the show right now and how, you know, without getting into the ending right away. So, um, Ed, overall, uh, how did you, how did you feel the season had, uh, how do you think the season went along? Um, what worked for you? Uh, were there any issues with the show overall? Well, you know, I, I think, um, I think generally speaking, and I, I don't think I'm the only one that, um, there is a kind of a decline, and I've heard I've heard some of the the whininess about it. It's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm a little bit disappointed. Um, uh, overall, the show is still a great show. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that you've been very positive about your you know, with your reactions. Because I'm a famous curmudgeon. You're the yeah, you know. So, but that's that's said. Um, six episodes. Pretty much a lot could have been, could have been, they could have given us a lot more of the sixth episode, the last episode. Kang being the, the ultimate big revelation there. He hasn't been called Kang per se. You have your, you have your other theories about it. Um, but I think the, um, I think a lot of clues point to that. Uh, and, you know, I'm excited. Um, but it, it, it's there's something very um, tacit about that because in between 
the last episode and maybe the first two or three in between was a lot of exposition. Well, not even exposition. It's just, look, there's an episode where the two Lokis are on the planet and they're just, you know, try getting in each other's skin. And, uh, and there's sort of, you're, you're spending a lot of time developing this relationship slash romance slash what do they really mean to each other? Because they're, they're variants of each other, you know? Um, now, if I were a romantic, which I can be at times, I, I, I'd be all giddy about it. But, um, but like even then, like I'm just sort of like, all right, where where do they want to go with that? You know, is one um, put it this way? Did I think that they were going to end up being um, mano a mano against each other? That caught me by surprise. I didn't think that they were that they were set up as, uh, oh, I'm going to stop you and you're going to try to stop me for that. You didn't see the tragic I romance angle. I did not see that because okay. I thought like one of them, I thought, hey, L- Lady Loki was going to die. Okay, and you know? overall you feel uh, mixed about this? Sounds a little, you're there, a little there, mixed about Yeah, the, the you know, there's a bit, well, you know, listen, uh, again, I would have wanted to see Kang slash more, uh, 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 Immortus. I- Immortus. Um, a lot earlier on than just that sixth episode. So, um, slightly disappointed. Um, but, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm on board. And listen, you know, ladies and gentlemen, this is, I think, the last of Disney Plus's COVID projects. Yeah, the, you know, right? probably, I think it is, yes. So, I can understand that. And listen, I, and I think that originally there were going to be uh, uh, twice the amount of episodes that we were, that we were supposed to get. Okay. Uh, or something close to that. Um, but because of COVID, they you know they had to make certain decisions. Yeah, they 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 had to adjust according because the, of the, you know the impact that all productions you know were feeling from you know from COVID. Yeah, so I, and also I think um, I, I saw some inner to interweb stuff that this is uh, the highest rated of the three COVID it's shows. Been very, yeah, it's been, it's know, been very by well comparison. Okay. And hey, we're getting a sec- we're getting a second season. So there's no doubt in my mind that. Um, as they were, as the sixth ep- episode rolled out, um, coming close to that, they were seeing a lot of positive uh, re- reactions and and feedback, and for them to go, hey, listen, Tom, how do you feel about renewing that contract a bit or whatever? I like, yeah, I don't know what his contract, uh, how, how far it extended, uh, how long he was going to be Loki for, but yeah, again, he's a phase one character. And there, there aren't that many Phase One characters, and he's still kicking him, with and the, he's, still he's still kicking still, it in, and know? he's going to last a lot longer than yeah. than than Hemsworth will be. <laughs> he, with, may, he, may, he may, he may, well. Um, John, you got to you got to see it from beginning to end. Uh, anything you want to bring to the table in terms of review? Review, yes. <clears throat> this show is about a bunch of wipe. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I think uh, the show is interesting. It's fantastic. You guys already touched about uh, touched upon this uh, last podcast where you said things like a little bit of Doctor Who, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of Farscape, a little bit of... No, you didn't say that. Um, so I think it's a good show. I think there's enough mystery. There's enough hijinks. Uh, I think there's enough, you know, action and stuff. 
it just lost me a little bit, I think, around the last episode or two, because they, they were just throwing so much, so many concepts at once, and new characters, and mm-hmm. new relationships, that I felt like it, it had a, an, a good even flow in the beginning, and then towards the end, it just felt like rushed and mangled a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like they could have handled how they, they resolved that season. Um, but other than that, I thought it was a great show. Let me ask you, I mean, like, as, um, <clears throat> well, just generally speaking, the, the question I'm going to put it out there. Okay, so the timeline gets all like, like you know, it's now it's all funky, There's crazy. There's a trillion branches. At yeah, the end. you know, There's, that changes uh, things for the MCU, yes? Mm-hmm. I, ooh, I, I'll, I could say something, but I don't want to get too deep down into like a rabbit uh-huh. hole about it. I um, I thought Doctor Strange. Honestly, it felt like Doctor Strange should have showed up that last episode. It feels, did I that's not what say it felt, that? It felt very Doctor Strange like. I've yeah. said that, and yeah. and the you know like on it's the, it's it is all that like cosmic magical sort of stuff mm. of the of the of cosmic Marvel. Cosmic magical time. Yeah, yeah. And then you saw the dial on the, on the, the character. You said Kang, it's Kang. The name of the I get. I, I could get into. We're gonna get into that because that's gonna be like the well, after this. What was we're gonna really gonna talk a, about? Yeah, it's gonna be a reveal in season two that he's this other character. Oh, well, or, yeah, we're gonna get into or, that. We're gonna get into that. But anyway, um, yeah, especially with that dial on his wrist and like you, you saw the the time stuff and the green glowing stuff and, and the portals. I'm like, where's Doctor Strange? Green means time. Green means time. <laughs> um. Um. I I agree with the guys you guys talking about how there seemed to be if not a rushed there there did seem to be this sort of like it was a blitz at the end. Yeah. I think a big issue is that you can't really judge this season as a complete story because it doesn't nothing is it doesn't finish. You're really at the midpoint of a story, right? So as good as it was it is going to be disappointing not to have be fulfilled in a season ender where it's like, okay, you gave me, you gave me all this exposition about stuff, which was in my opinion, great exposition performed great, but it was exposition from a character from complete left field. You know what I mean? This wasn't like, oh, and there's an, another Loki variant. Okay, that makes sense for the show. Blah, 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 blah. It was, here's this other element that's suddenly here and we're going to reveal, uh, you know, all the reasonings why X, Y, Z is happening. Um, and that can't, I can understand someone being uh, disappointed. It didn't move certain things forward, and um, it really de- a big part of it was whether or not that actor doing that exposition in the way he did it. If that worked for you, then the then the episode worked because you're like I'm being entertained by this char- by this character and I'm I like the concepts and stuff that he's throwing at me but if that didn't work for you you I could un- I totally get being disappointed and not not to be a nitpicker this was a great uh, show overall but uh like I could describe a scene for you where it didn't matter the scene didn't matter at all where uh they had to plan to get on a train right but bo- both of their special skills, it didn't, it didn't matter what the challenge was. Like, they were just going to bypass it and get on the train. Like, there was no real, there was, like, no real See, struggle. Would, there was no dis- real... I would disagree with that because... like, I could do the mind control. Right, I, could, I could just change right, exactly. how I look. I, and I would, we got on the train. Right, but, like, exactly. like, why but, have the scene anyway? But you that's know? the thing. Because, the given, well, again, they, had, they got to know each other in that, you know, what, what passed later. And at the end, their powers know. See, that's the thing. 
they were going to die on that planet. <laughs> Their challenge was not met. This was the, that was just part of we're going to get off this planet. Okay, we got to get on this train. But the ultimate goal was let's get on a ship out of here. Yeah. And they couldn't pull that off. And look, I mean, um, at the end of it, like uh, with Richard E. Grant being there as classic uh, Loki. classic Loki, they were they were uh, using each other's powers. You know, like every yeah. everyone everyone was on board. Everyone was Loki'd up, mm -hmm. and they were able to to. To perform that feat and, and go I, 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 move this up is to what the, I to will the give the what I, uh, you know the big plus of the show is it's called Loki and they gave us as much Loki as we could you know possibly right. mm -hmm. handle on the show and they did peel back the onion on this version um, for the MCU in ways that made sense was understandable played to all the Hiddleston's strengths in the role. Um, and, you know, made it in such a way where the decisions and everything he did made sense. He was sympathetic, but at the same time, you also knew, okay, I there's a, one small thing about that, and then we'll get into Kang. All right? I'm waiting. I'm okay. seething. <laughs> at the end of the, you know, you know, again, this is spoiler talk, so we're just at spoiler talk. So after Sylvie pushes him through the portal... Mm -hmm. He's alone for a while. He seems to make some kind of decision. The camera is very close on Hiddleston's face. And you can see he's, he's deciding something. He's obviously planning, right? Then he rushes through the TVA. He's not aware yet that he's in some kind mm -hmm. of variant of mm -hmm. the timeline that he was in before. At the end, right? And... He's pa he's running he's running he's running he's running past the everyone records else room, right? is there's a fray everyone's right. trying to figure he's out. running he gets to the records library area right he's running and he stops he does this sort of stop and he's he looks like he's collecting himself and then he starts running again and he gets to what he thinks is the Mobius that he knows and he goes into his, his whole spiel my feeling was. Before he realized that he had gone, that he was not where he was, or things had changed, or whichever, he was planning a whole bunch of bullshit. Like that was that little like I'm running. Wait, let me stop. Okay, <sighs> okay, I gotta. He's he was getting into con mode. He had made some kind of decision, and he had some plan that he was doing that would have, in his mind, worked on the Mobius that he knew. But suddenly it was like, oh, wait a second, this is not the move. This is even the place where I'm from. And he's given this, you know, curveball. So, like, that's what... Right, and that's the whole thing where even with all of these other elements on the show, even with the one that we're going to talk, which is very big and would overwhelm it, the show is, was, at it, was always about his character. Um, about my only thing I think that they did not and what would have worked better, not worked better, but would have added a lot more fun and stuff to the show is if they had maybe two more episodes or one more episode, we needed to see a little more of Loki's past life. Like, you know, that whole D.B. Cooper moment was brilliant. I love that idea. Okay, Loki from time to time has come to Earth to do whatever, and there are all of these, like, legends and other things that have happened that we can attribute to Loki doing crap on a dare. I, I wish there was maybe a little more of that, a little more of, like, you know, insight. Uh, more of his shenanigans. You know, again, the fact that they went into the whole idea of, you know, like, oh, we got Sif, right? And we get that scene with Sif and we real, and, you know, again, we peel a layer of the character back with that kind of stuff. I, so, I don't know how to, like, when you say that, um, I, might, I might be a little conflicted because Loki, 
It's a very different Loki compared to what we got from the Avengers, right? And from the, which means that it's is he watered down? I understand that it's another layer of him. Well, um, and well, that's what. I, but that's that, why I'm saying if you got more of his past life, you can do stuff like the DB Cooper stuff, and but, you can do stuff where it's like, yeah, we kind of show that he's always had this streak in him, this meanness, because they reckoned with that on the show. They they but, never but, let it go. That but it's they like, show a side of Loki. Where he's he's feeling remorseful and guilty for the stuff he's done. Right. So it's a changed Loki that like wants to do better, that wants to be redempted. Now, now here's the thing though. Redeemed, that, right? that seems to me very incongruent with Loki, the character. Um, Loki, the character. Uh, um, on the one hand, the, the the MCU has pretty much turned the God of Lies into a malicious uh, 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 mass murder, right? Um, well, Loki in, from the comics does you know yeah, nasty of stuff course, all the time, of right? course, right? But uh, but, um, they but they turn him into pretty sentimental. There is also yeah, because yeah. it's Hiddleston, because it's Hiddleston, because it's Hiddleston, right? And this is Instead, this is what I'm getting at. He has this sort of like I'm a broken puppy dog who like I'm just mean. You know, if you just treat me well, and Hiddleston right. is that I think kind that's of an the actor. writing. Yeah, well, right, yeah, all, yeah, yeah. You know, and he'll well, Hiddleston they're playing is a, to what was established, like that that what Hiddleston made that character, and now it's like, well, what do we do with this? We know people like him. We know people have a certain amount of empathy for him. He's not Thanos. He's not these other villains. There is something you could see redeeming. There is something in his story that makes you go, I feel bad for this guy, and the and the cards that were handed to him. And surprise, surprise, like Hiddleston is an EP on this, right? You know. Yeah. And uh, listen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you go look him up on the internet where he he just says a bunch of like uh, quadrat like mathematical equations. You know, it's just like uh, like um, you know the square of the hypotenuse you know, equals uh, like he it's he's consummate sexiness. Okay, you know, all right. Brit, Brit, uh, but yes, Brit yes, manly but, sexiness. And, that, and you know? that's what makes the show a big part that makes that show work. I think a big part of the season, like I said, saying before, Doctor Who was you watch this and you go like. All right, Hilson could have played that role, you know, in his sleep, upside down, and you know, underwater. Like he has that kind of charisma. Uh, about the only thing that I'm going to say that I, I have a sort of a disagreement with what the the general consensus is on the show is, I'll say I, I I'll be completely 100 percent honest. Sylvie is not a great character. I don't think she is as in, she could be more engaging. I think that the character was a too one note, and yeah. I didn't. And and because of that, I didn't see why Loki is like you know raptured. Yeah, exactly. I have to. That's save interesting, this person. isn't it? Though, because I, I don't I don't disagree with you. Actually, if anything, I agree with you hundred um, percent. She's. A Loki that Loki has to play off of, right? So she's not the lead, and yet they're supposed to be the same person, right? They're a variant of the and, same person. And, and, you and know there's what? this incestuous love. Let's, let's call it for what is it, it is. It's, 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 no, it's not incestuous. It's, it's, John, John, John. Narcissists no, will no, no, love John, themselves, John, you know? if you have sex with your cross-dimensional counterpart, it's just like, it's just parallel Earth masturbation. <laughs> All right, it's glorious. It's not the same. It's glorious. <laughs> glorious. See, see now, Glor now look. <laughs> glorious, now. Pur glorious purpose. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, so, like that was one of the few, like kind of like they built it up. We finally get to meet her, and it's cool. I, I like the peeling of the onion of her 
on the train. And that's what they needed more of, yeah, some more connection mm. points between them. And ma- give her something. I understand that what they drunk, were going for. That drunk scene where he gets drunk and she's made Oh, my God, exactly, him, yes. That was so fast. Like, we needed a little more of that to develop the yes, exactly. and the push and pull between them. And, and why is so she quick. into him yeah, and yeah, why yeah. is he into, like, yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, You're right. It's like I an feel, unexplained, like, this is just... I, I kind of yeah. wish that they... And I understand why they had to make her... Very different because they were like, "Oh, she, she's not Loki. She wasn't raised the way he was raised. She, you know, but from, she has a vendetta against the TV. Yeah, and, she, and, and she's one hundred percent. But that's what made her one note. Mm-hmm. And I wish they had done more of her being showing that he has some of the same aspects as he has, only developed differently because of her life. They should have shown the apocalypses developing her character. That they was another show, thing. Well, yes. They should have showed her as a child being Give us some shaped. flashbacks. Yeah. Why these cr- Why is she traumatic? named Sylvie? Well, yeah. look, there, 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 there's that, yeah. the scene where, you know, like, she's about, she's about to kill Kang. And if it were not for Hiddleston getting in, getting in the way, I'm like, okay, like, there's your one note there. Like, her making that decision. I'm going to kill him. Uh, because this is my calculus. I've come to that conclusion. I've come. Well, to that I've calculus. just been too. I've, I've been too life. much. Right. And it's like I'm. This is this. But John's right. Yeah. They didn't show us that. No. They and I think that that is again. That was sort of the sort of these missing. That would have made us invest emotionally more in her and understand yeah. her. But of course, yeah. you know, hey, okay, let's. This is the this is the caveat this is of the last episode or two rush that we're right. talking about. Yeah. But the flip of that can be, well, we're getting that season two. So we're going to have the room to develop that. We're going to get to know her, perhaps. Or, or you know, she has to be part more of the story because it's like, okay, she kills, Kang, she kills uh, you know, Immortus Kang, Nathaniel Richards Prime, whatever you want to call him. And now, obviously, all hell's breaking loose. Now, she's still at the, quote-unquote, the Citadel at the end of time. Immortus' Citadel, does she just jump out of there? Does she just think... I've done the job I wanted to do and just wait for the other Kangs to come and die? I don't know, you know? Uh, but if you're having a season two, I assume you're going to continue her story on some level. Um, shifting gears, let's go to the big, again, the big elephant in the room was that this final episode has, in sort of a way... Now, for longtime fans, Kang was, the ex- was a big expectation because everything in the show has a Kang the Conqueror connection to it from the TVA to Judge Ravona Renslayer, you know, to the Timekeepers. All of that stuff is is Kang stuff. So it was a good guess that he would show up, but, you know, you get to the last episode of the season and there had been no, like, he's coming, he's this, oh, three or four episodes before the fight, you introduce him. No. So it was a surprise a little bit to have him show up in the way he did. And... It was a gamble, like I said, to basically, you know, say, okay, this guy's going to give this performance and it's going to basically be the background, the setup of this character. And it's a setup for someone who's going to fill in the void of a, Than- of a, of a, of a Thanos, right? You know, a larger than life yeah, villain. Yeah, to be an arc long villain character. Correct. I mean, and this is, um, uh, which is kind of odd for me because it's Disney Plus. Um, it's also COVID Project Disney Plus, um, very very small scale. And then you're, this is the MCU saying, "This is Feige saying, hey, you know what? You watch watch this guy. You're well, gonna watch." I, this. That's Feige saying you have to watch our shows and watch our shows. 
You have to watch the the Disney Plus shows because we are going to make sure that things that happen here are going to cross over again. I'm sorry. I don't care what anyone says mm. that. Oh, you could watch. Oh no, these are meant to be watched and and separate. B.S. If you get if you watch Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, my God, there's a whole idea that they basically introduced here first. If you think about it. And you get to Wanda Maximoff in that movie. Well, she is in a completely different place than where she was when the last time you saw her in a movie, which was in at the end of Endgame. So if you didn't watch the the WandaVision show, you're gonna be you're gonna be set. like, yeah. why does she look like this? Why does she have these powers? Where's uh, what's she talking so, so about? That's, this? that's so, their strategy. So, that's their right, strategy. exactly. Right. So it's like here they they're doing that with Kang as well. Now let let's. I want to back up, especially for Jonathan's um, uh, benefit. Uh, Kang the Conqueror, uh, very long time developed from the sixties by Stan Lee. Stan and, and Jack. And Jack. He's one of those characters. Um, Hell bent. No no powers. Uh, Think science, science, and uh, and and uh, hell bent on just destroying the Avengers, you know. Um, and over the years, except those times where he aids the Avengers, Ed. That is true. Except and, those times when he's a noble warrior who's just matching his his wits against. Or the Avengers. that time when he when you know there's a younger variant of him, uh, Iron Lad, who joins the Young Avengers. Guess what? You know, he's he so was it's, it's he a, was he has this thing, and that's the beauty of. Why I think we, me and Ed got a lot more out of that episode than you did, for this reason. This is a character that, as you you know, John, how we when we talked about, you know, we gotta make the distinguish. Uh, we gotta distinguish that he he is thirty different characters. That's that's yep. what I'm getting to. Yep. That's exactly my point. Yeah. Me and Ed got a lot more out of it because. We know that there's all of this weird tangled history of this Iterations, character. variants. Right. And and it's like, well, how do you adapt that? How are you going to do that? And the way they did it here works for a modern audience, I think, works for the character, like still honors all the stuff and like blows a lot of things wide open for the MCU. So first things first is the fact that Mm -hmm. from the comics like I said we gotta get a little bit of comic history mm -hmm. for maybe those who don't know and, and also just for John here who's like again watched it and was like I don't know why you're so jizzed about this this is like who okay this guy I talked about Pandora's lot. box and okay so Kang the Conqueror is he first shows up it's a convoluted history it's super convoluted he first shows up in the Fantastic Four the Fantastic Four travel back in time and <laughs> this is casually <laughs> Like, that's Fantastic Four comics. It's just, it's literally, Reed Richards wakes up one day, right, and right. he's like, and he's like, anyone want to go to ancient hey, Egypt? Ancient Egypt. Hey, honey, you want to go to Hawaii? So, no. Let's go to ancient, <laughs> so, ancient so, Egypt. So, John, here's, here's Kang, a first iteration of Kang in, in what, what Miguel's speaking of in Fantastic Four back in the 60s. He, he comes as a character named Rama Tut. Rama Tut. A, a, a ruler of ancient, ancient Egypt, right? A scientist who travels back in time. Yeah, basically the Fantastic Four come, come upon him in ancient Egypt and is like, oh, I'm a time traveler running a scam here. Yeah. Right? That's the start. Yeah. I'm a time traveler running a scam and I can rule ancient Egypt because I have all this technology and knowledge, yada, yada. They defeat him and it's like, send him packing. He, we learn that he's, a, uh, eventually the full story is, He's a guy named Nathaniel Richards. Now, possible Reed, a possible descendant, descendant of, of Reed Richards, Reed Richards, Fantastic. or 
Reed Richards, Richards. time traveling father, who is also named Nathaniel Richards. Yeah. But okay, this He's version we got an illegitimate child. What do you remember? Do you remember watching Rick and Morty? And there's something called the Council of Ricks. Yeah. Right. There is a we're council, gonna get, yeah, of kings, a council of kings. Right? Okay, we'll get. That's we're how convoluted that. this stuff is. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, Rama Tut. Um, at, he goes back to his home time. He had come from the 31st century, and he was basically just like a dude who was like. Earth is a paradise. Everything problem's been solved. Oh my gosh, wouldn't it be cool to be back in the days, you know, a thousand years ago, you know, in the age of the heroes and villains, yada, yada, yada. And that first is what first leads him to the whole Rama Tut thing. And then he's like, I'm going back to my home time. But then he overshoots. And so he's, instead of in the 31st century, he's in the 41st century. And yes, he came from an earth where everything was super cool. And at some point in between the 31st and the 41st century, everything goes to shit. And planet Earth is this group of like warring tribes who are using all of this technology that they don't have any clue about. And he's like, this is the perfect world for me now. I wanted conflict. I wanted adventure. I wanted excitement. This is it, and that's when he becomes Kang the Conqueror. Can I ask you? Did he did he steal Doctor Doom's armor when he goes back in time? Like I, something I about don't, or whatever. I, the they case do was. meet. Yeah, they yeah, actually yeah, do yeah. meet, and he cons Doctor Doom <laughs> at one point, saying <laughs> he's maybe you, he's like maybe you and I are also descendants from yada yada. So they always they've, they've had a connection this there. Guy with Don the, King? <laughs> no, he's more like Matt Fur from from uh, from the Next Generation. Time traveling con man. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah. He is in a way. So Kang, uh, he conquers from Earth out in his time, 40, the 41st century that he's gone to, this big time empire that then stretches into other universes, other things. Like, it's crazy. He's Kang the Conqueror. And at some point, he just gets a bug up his ass and is like, you know what? You know, I, re I remember when I was Ramatut. And these, these, to him, these primitives from a thousand years ago called the Fantastic Four kick my ass. But you know what? I'd really like to fight the Avengers. It's just, yeah, he just much. gets a bug up That's his all ass. That's he wants. And it's like, kill I just want to prove what a badass I am by fighting the Avengers. I'm just going to kill the Avengers. And that sets them into this, that sets them into this course where he, he's continually comes and butts heads. Now, eventually what happens is there's not a lot of, like, really great editorial control. <laughs> so Kang, it just becomes like this sort of like go to like fill in the blank villain. There are all these stories where you go like, it could have been anyone, but they decided to make it Kang, right? <laughs> the problem is, is that each guy who's writing these different stories over the year, they keep killing Kang off. They keep putting him in these situations where it's like, da, da, da. oh my God, Kang the Kanker died. And then he's back in another issue Often with no explanation whatsoever, right? <laughs> they retrocon it. It's they they start going. And it's like oh, well, he's Kang. Time, he's Kang. He's a, he's a time traveler. He's, a time he's causing he's causing all of this 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 crap. He's, more than time traveling, It's all this sort of yeah, exactly. And eventually, that does in the eighties. I want to say culminate in the story that was uh, Marvel used to have this um, it was it was more common I th I want to say it was a little more common with Marvel although DC had its share of it where you know um, issues come out monthly but then they would also put out like a big special every year called an annual right 
Uh, not so much. Like sometimes it would be like the culmination of a story, and it was like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, we've got eighty pages, you know, so we can really like expand the story when the finale, you know. Well, look, I mean, the but okay, so there was this story was called the Council of Cross Time Kangs, and it was basically like again, again, that's the start of it, and eventually that idea was. You know, exploited to the uh, exported to the Fantastic Four with the Council of Reeds, and then as Ed pointed out, Rick and Morty has you know uh, the, the the Council of Ricks. He's this character that eventually came to be in like this like this. I I I think of it as this. I always say, who are um, superheroes and superhero teams usually have like a double A list and double B list. There's always like who's your number one villain and then who's the guy underneath him, right? And then it's like sometimes they almost have like co-arch nemesis. These guys that are like, oh, he's he's his number one villain, but you go like, ah, but this guy's just as big a threat and has had as many stories. So with the Avengers, I would say, who is the uh, who would you say is the Avengers' number one enemy? For me, I'm always gonna say it's Ultron. Ultron is the one who uh, consistently comes back, who consistently is always dogging them. Yeah. And he has the power to back he's like he has the power to back it up, right? Okay. But then you think about Kang. You know, I, here's the thing, the truth is the Avengers fought Ultron and Kang way more than well, they ever I, fought I Thanos. Gonna, this is what I was going to bring. My entry to Kang was Secret Wars, right? And uh, did he, he have was any always. This is a shout out to Matt Sukoski. He was always the character you could find in the stores. Thank you. Right. So now, <laughs> listen. The 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 showrunners and the creators and the writers of this series, no doubt, these guys are comic book guys, right? If you got a if you got a Thanos copter out there, they they're reading they're reading comics. Frog books. Thor, yeah, they Frog they Thor. they were throwing everything that could stop. You know, and with Kang being in this, uh, or again, like like I've I've been called many things, and you know, like a conqueror, the history, the conqueror, jerk. whatever, the jerk. <laughs> um, pretty much, I'm going to call it. It's Kang. Now you have a different. I my, theory. my I you think that the idea basically is that he is supposed to be. A version of Immortus, because here's the but further. Even here's the, here's the further. Here's the further Kang. skinny on Kang, John. Okay, see, as I said, he had all these variants, and then often Kang's schemes had him pretending to be someone else. He started out as Rama Tut, pulling this con. He becomes a character called the Scarlet Centurion, pulling oh a con. Pulling a con across multiple universes, mind you, because he was the main villain in the Squat Squadron Supreme miniseries as well. And eventually, this other character called Immortus starts showing up. I am the master of all time. I am Immortus. Can I describe uh, Immortus for you? He's basically um, a Fu Manchu-esque. With like with, a Pope hat. With a Pope hat. And like this robe, and it's like, I'm the master of time. I'm the master of time. And eventually it is found out that in fact, Immortus is <laughs> Kang's future, like his evolution. Like he is destined to become this guy. And Immortus is not his own agent. Immortus works for the timekeepers. And Immortus's job under the timekeepers often was. I'm interfering in a timeline to stop something from that's happening at the behest of the timekeepers. 
Yeah, they went. To, they they. Then that's what I'm saying. They what they did was brilliant because they did all the stuff that as honors or is going to honor the history of this character, but streamlined it, cleaned it up, made it better and more accessible. I think for the audience because basically. He, in my opinion, is the Immortus version, which is usually the final evolution of Kang, right? It's like, this is it, I become the master of time, doing this job, pruning the timeline. But, but on the show, he describes himself to be the dam that's keeping all the other... Right, yeah, so they, they gave, so that's what it is. They started at the end. by And by doing that, they said, and this is our justification for every iteration you're going to get of this character, because... There's no doubt that, uh, again, they they had all these, like, Easter eggs. Not Easter eggs, but they were like, here's our breadcrumbs, and this is going to be Kang. The Time Variance Authority is the thing that Kang created to to um, administer his various, in the comics anyway, in, to administer his various time realms. Alioth is that monster that he's, yes, he uses himself, his various time agents, yada, yada, yada. And so basically what they're saying is, is like, okay, we're starting at the end to justify that the next time that you see this actor playing this role, he's not the same person. He's not the same person. He can be, he, he can play it completely differently. There were some people who really didn't like his, Ma John the Major's but performance. Isn't that the, an actor's dream to have that role? Yes. That is an right. Dream. Yeah. And I think that. Development, development, development. I have, I, I my gut tells me, yeah, I, my gut tells me that he had a really long talk with Feige and them about, okay, what is the nature of this character? You know, what can I do as an actor with this character? And, you know, it's like, you look at he who remains, you know, uh, Immortus as again, I, I'm calling him the Immortus version of this character. All right, that dude was like a whacked out kind of Doctor Who kind of guy because he'd been sitting in this citadel at the end of time. You know, I'm not going to lie, that, that last scene, that last mm -hmm. part, kind of reminded me of a Star Trek original series episode. Yes, yeah, it has yeah. that aspect. They have a lot of that Shakespearean, yeah. powerful like, guy. It's just like, like, you know, I want nothing more who's than isolated a on some death. world, but he I'm has, bored he has... of of my existence. You know, well, yeah. and now <laughs> it's time for the coronation. What was that line that you love to say? The I, coronation line. I don't know. I don't remember? remember. I don't remember. We're moving on. Right. I don't get. I don't. But, but anyway, like, it, yes, it, yeah, it, it is one of those was, things yeah. where you're right. It has that vibe and that feel because that's who very much the character is, and. It is going to be this thing where it's like, okay, I have no doubt that Kang the Conqueror proper, when we meet him, is not going to act like this guy who has been isolated inside the Citadel for God knows how long, you know, going through phases of, I'm nuts, no, I'm sane, no, I'm nuts. Kang's a different get cat altogether. Uh, he, and He's a conqueror. He, he's, he's a conqueror, exactly. Yeah. And uh, this goes to just me, pure theoretical, pure just spitballing because there's not as we don't even what we've already talked about there's a lot of speculation so here's some more speculation coding on top of it yours I, yeah okay i think that kang being introduced makes me think for the longest time my thought was the next big arc mega arc is going to be secret invasion like i thought that's where we're headed to do you get to the end of uh the captain marvel movie um uh Right. Far from home. And, you know, it's like, oh, scrolls, cause, okay, we're, it's gonna, we're doing a gloss on Secret Invasion. And then we find out 
that that there is going to be a secret invasion project. Only it's only going to be on Disney Plus. Well, look, I mean, there's and this is going to be there's going to be a tie into Black Widow, right? Because um, L- Julia Louis Dreyfus, who are there, they're sort of just you know fostering and developing her character, Contessa uh, Valentina, the the Allegra de Fontaine, whatever. Um, the, they're really bringing, they're really developing the secret invasion thing, especially if Amelia but, and, but, and that's what I'm saying. But, but what I'm saying is that that seems to be Disney Plus. I don't think you're going to see that in the movies. I think we will. They're going to, no, I think that they're, you're, it's going to be, because again, the, the, the miniseries is on Disney Plus. There's, I don't think you're going to have like secret invasion movies and then, hey, watch it on Disney Plus. Mm. Maybe, I don't think so, no. My point is this. Because the the where I thought they were going is not where they're going in the movies. I think that this indicates the shift is going to be what's the big mega arc? What are they headed for? Before it was, you know, Thanos was the, this big villain and the mega arc we're doing is a gloss on Infinity Gauntlet. I think that we have Kang as this very big villain and what we are headed towards is something like a, a mashup of 80 Secret Wars... And 2000s Secret Wars. Because that's all about multiverse and multi-dimensions and is a little more like Crisis on Infinite Earths in, 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 in a lot of ways, but is this sort of thing. And a big part of that Secret Wars was Doom. Mm. So I think yeah, that yeah. we are yeah. headed towards basically introduction of the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. and Doom Possibly some connection to the Council of Reeds, uh, but but Kang being set up as the Thanos character only to get supplanted by Doctor Doom in like a swerve. That's my big broad stro- my my, my I mean, big broad strokes in my mind as I see it going forward. Right now, now, now back to the Loki show and with Kang, uh, we are getting What If? That's the next sort of Disney mm-hmm. project that's coming up. Which sort of introduces the ideas, the different possibilities, the the, the multi, the, the multi-dimensional, uh, multiverse possibilities. We may get some clues as to where they're going with this, right? You know, um, that would be a that would be a big deal for an animated show like that. It is. You know, um, I hope they would. I I kind of would doubt it. But I would hope that they would do something where they would be like, here are some things that in each of these stories we're telling. Um, that you'll notice. You're going like, well, why is this element there? Why does this element keep showing up? And then it's like, aha, don't, yeah, we're going to take something that you thought was a project that you had, you could miss. Nope, you got to watch it. Well, look, the one consistent thing when it comes to um, everything else that's just run amok is there is a guy on the moon who's just witnessing everything. He's just witnessing <laughs> cosmic history. He likes to watch. And he likes to watch. He likes to watch. Because he's called the watcher, right? Um, we might be getting some, hey, you know, MCU exposition as to what's going on uh, down the line. I mean, if- well, they have an actor who could easily play that character in 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 the movies and not just be an animated. Like you could yeah. see him in in that part. We kind of saw him, but that was a gag, I guess, with talking to Stanley in a right astronaut suit. So, um, yeah, that's where I think it's going. Uh, overall. Uh, and also very interesting that I think you have to I think you I think you have to include Kang in a season 2 of this show. Oh yeah, well. Um and I hope that they deliver on that. Like I, I like that it will be very cool to be like 
really get to know a villain if he's being set up mm. as like a Thanos level character. So like on a TV show, six episodes. That like, imagine if we had six episodes of like a Thanos in something else. That would have only made that even more richer. Now I'm going to ask you what I already asked you off off the show, which is, do the Eternals? I don't have you, I don't have your drugs, man. All right. <laughs> I don't have your drugs. Let's not talk about the 30% stuff here, which is a whole separate <laughs> show. Anyway, he knows what I'm talking about. That's a, that's a personal joke. Yes. Uh, we love you, Nikos. We love you, Nikos. We love you, Nikos. Anyway, um, <laughs> The Eternals. That's coming up. Uh, so you have What If, Shang-Chi, The Eternals, uh, which, which comes out later on during a year. Do any of The Eternals have... Time, I will. I, we'll time, end, we'll end, uh, we'll end this segment with this intriguing little bit. Okay. So, Nathaniel Richards, Immortus Kang, however you want to, has a Fantastic Four connection. But he also has an uncanny X Men connection. Yeah. Because uh, when he, he because. Kang the Conqueror, because he's all like, I can, um, I have this vast temporal empire, you know, not just, you know, you know, I rule this galaxy, but I also rule, you know, multiverses over other realms and everything. But every once in a while, you know, every once in a while, he's just like, man, I remember the days when I was just conning those Egyptian people. That was really cool. <laughs> I swear to God, John, this is as deep as it goes. That was really cool. You know, every once in a while, I'm just going to take a vacation and rule ancient Egypt. I'm just going to go back and, like, use my super technology and conquer them again and then live like, you know, get worshipped as a living god. It's really cool, right? So he does that, and on one of these trips when he's ruling ancient Egypt, he comes across a character called Ansabanur, Ah, right. That's right. Who apocalypse. is in fact uh, is apocalypse, and he enslaves yeah, 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 and Sabanor, yeah, right, the first. Right. I wasn't that The up, first right. mutant in the Marvel universe, yada yada, and 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 Sabanor, apocalypse. Eventually, he frees himself by using technology that mm -hmm. he finds yeah. that was left behind mm -hmm. by the right, Celestials. Right, 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 right. That's why I was getting at. Like, does he? Like, he had armor, right? Where, where did he get that armor from? You just answered and, my question. The if I remember correctly, Apocalypse's ship, yeah, was an eternal ship. Mm -hmm. Like that. So there's a lot. Like I said, this character can bring a whole lot to the table if you exploit him the right way for a few years. Because it's like I think this is leading towards. Fantastic Four, but hey, oh, holy crap! There's also an X Men connection there too that you could work them in somehow. Um, if you're leading towards a Secret Wars giant crossover story of all the heroes getting coming together to stop the destruction of the universe, okay? Um, so uh, kudos to the show. Uh, I think it was. I I would say final grade is. I do think, regardless of the our, our caveats here, I think it was it was head and shoulders above the other two Disney Plus shows. It was better than Wandavision by far. It was more complete, even with its story having at the, at the halfway point. You didn't feel as um, disappointed as you did sort of with the ending of Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's like, uh, this show never, like Falcon and Winter Soldier never reached its potential. There was great stuff in it, but it like because that main story w was so, what's going on? So opaque. But it you does, didn't care. It does Whereas give here, you 
from beginning to end, you were engaged from beginning. And then the big ending is like, okay, we're just at the midpoint of the story. I want more. But so does, on that it, level, it, does, it was more successful. It does give you a di- different flavor, right? Like at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm still going to prefer Falcon Winter Soldier, despite its you know shortcomings on, on on the plot and stuff like that. You know, because I'm a comic book guy in that fashion, right? Right. Yeah. I'm that, not that look- type of mo- mo- that yeah. Yes, right. which again, which is now without a doubt, that said, it? Tom Hiddleston is 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 king when it comes to just being who he is. Yeah, and, you know? yeah, and this was a, it was. Yeah, you're not. You're absolutely. Yeah. You're one hundred percent right. There is that. That is exactly the sort of like one is techno army espionage spy stuff, you know. And this one is is yeah, like I said, portals, time travel, cosmic. You know, if you're into soap opera, soap opera type, you know, funky romance stuff, then maybe WandaVision is your thing. You know? Right. Exactly. Okay. So um, we're going to take a brief rest for some words from friends, and then we're going to come back with. Our review of Black Widow. In the Kitchen with Roro, R-O-R-O. If you're looking for bite-sized bits of yumminess and need to satisfy that sweet tooth, then check out In the Kitchen with Roro on Instagram. Each item especially made by our personal friend Rosie here in Brooklyn. Also coming to YouTube, that's In the Kitchen with Roro. We had our bathroom basement done. Anna Maria Stanimir Gromo, a friend of the podcast who lives out in France, she consults and she says, hey, let me design your, your basement bathroom. And that's exactly what she did. She did everything um, via email, via FaceTime. Did the renderings sent, and everything, right? The renderings and everything, a completely beautiful. I took the renderings and uh, hired a contractor and they are currently putting, the, as we're speaking, putting the finishing touches on my basing and it looks fantastic it looks great servicing clients domestic international a master's here to help you through your different phases to transform your space into a reflection of you go to masterdesign.com that is a master spelled a-m-a-s-t-a design i love our logo no really i love our logo the To Be Continued Fanboy Podcast logo was provided to us by friend of the show, Matt Silkowski, who also runs MSD Studios. And what does Matt do at MSD Studios? He provides positive reinforcement for your brand. Located in Philadelphia, Matt has worked with clients of all sizes and has helped them to focus on designs for campaigns, rebrands, and new brands. Get in touch for your next project MSD Studios, that's msdstudios.com. And and that was more capitalist propaganda. <laughs> You're gonna love me, Black Widow baby. I guess we're getting, or we're doing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, I don't, what was that? That was the uh, uh, that was the uh, the old song by um, oh, what's the name? Oh, Iggy Azalea. Dun, 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 called Black Widow. But oh, that's okay. Oh. I didn't see I'm, I'm an old man I don't know I don't know these things <laughs> uh, and I am an old man because you know what Black Widow has been one of my favorite characters for a very 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 we're long time we're talking about uh, Britney Spears I don't free Britney for not free, free Britney, not Cosby we're, we're, because, because uh, she was born in, as a Disney star right yes yeah. okay alright no, that was a that was a Come on, that was a decent monkey wrench. Decent. I wasn't even there. Was no the decent lowest, monkey wrenches. It was the lowest hurdle monkey wrench I've ever had. Um, 
Black Widow's been a favorite character of mine going from way back. To uh, to paraphrase uh, Wayne from uh, uh, Wayne and Garth from uh, SNL's Wayne's World, um, she had the allure of the forbidden fruit <laughs> because you know her Soviet background. So there was always something about that character from the comics that always, and of course how they drew her and everything else. You know this voluptuous redhead, you know uh, vivacious femme fatale spy, and it's like, ooh, she used to be a Russian agent too. Well, that's a weird thing, right? Because her entry into my comic book sense was from uh, Champions. Was she right. ever? She, was she ever a defender? <sighs> If she every Ed, everyone was a defender. Yeah, everyone was a defender. But that's well, the yeah, thing. Champions is a, is a big one in. But that's mythology. the thing, though. Uh, the her um, Avenger card was very missed out on, on, on my, as a young reader for me because she's very much a golden age Avenger, a, a silver not not even silver age. No, know? she's she's a she's a she's a silver bronze age Avenger character. Um, but this is the thing. It shows you the dearth of female characters that they were like, oh, we're doing this Avengers movie. We need to we need to swap out a female character because we can't use Ant-Man and Wasp. Remember, because yeah, that's right, why that right, happened. Right. It was it was uh, Edgar White's Ant-Man movie was taken too long, and they were like, oh, well, we want Ant-Man and the Wasp, so we can't have it. Okay, what do we we gotta sub in another female character where we're gonna get that? Okay, let's put in Black Widow. And it's not that she wasn't a longtime Avenger, but let, I, I'm, if we're all really honest, her prominence has only come in the last, like, 20 years. She was more of a B-minus, C-level Marvel character. Well, here, here... She was linked to a lot of characters, but, I mean, it's like, okay, she starts out in Iron Man, and then she's conning Hawkeye mm. and then it's oh I get a costume too to be because it wasn't even that she had a costume she was just like the Black Widow but it wasn't like we thought of like a I have this it was just like oh I'm an agent for the Russian government mm. right and then it's like no I am a costume and then I'm conning Hawkeye to help me out mm. and then okay every once in a while uh um, I'm I'm gonna pester you know. Me and Daredevil are gonna team up with you know when and Daredevil I was bring moved that. That's, Daredevil moved to San Francisco. You want to talk about prominence? Her her uh, tie in and her run with Daredevil, where her Natasha and Matt, they they they're they're lovers and uh, and then things didn't work out. It's, well, it's well, it's very swinging sixties. No yeah, pun yeah, intended. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It is this sort of like she is always supposed to be that. Uh, she's like, if you took, in a, in a couple of, uh, I think originally the idea was to be, if you take Emma Peel and every single mm -hmm, bomb, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bond Cat and mash them up together mm -hmm. and put them and say, oh, this is supposed to be a superhero character. So it's even, the things that they can do and the, and the sort of like approach to it is even more fantastic. Which, and, is, you know, which is very consistent with Scar Jo as Natasha, right? I mean, she starts off as the, with the uh, from Iron Man 2. The yes. slinky Natasha with the long hair, with the, with the, with the, with the, um, and then we find the, out, the, oh, that's a con. Hair. That's she's a con. Really, she's really working for and then she And then on Winter Soldier, you get that, that to me is Black Widow. Like, yes. with, with the, with the, with, with the long hair. And then later on, when they, when they bring her on as, oh, she's running the show in this, in this dystopic, um, uh, post snap world, yeah. With the, the post snap world. I'm like, there, this is not very Black Widow to me, you know? I mean, where she takes center stage. 
of the Avengers, of of the global Avengers, or the, you know. Well, yeah, but that's that's part and parcel of the, the fact that, as we say, it's like it's once you get into the MCU territory mm-hmm. and things develop to a certain degree, there's going to be some divergence from like your expectations from and the it, comics. And at some point, you know, it's like she ever so often she would have to remind people oh, I'm Russian. I'm like. Right. Really? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. You don't seem Russian here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You eat um, peanut, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know. It's- um. So, like, I've always had a soft spot for the character. I, I think that yes, sex appeal is a part of it. I am not a Scar Joe fan. I will lay that out on the table. I have never been as charmed as most of the movie-going audiences and a lot of people online are by her. I don't think she's a terrible actress. I can't say that she has many performances that blow my socks off. We're not going to get into no, no, the no. ones that she's done. I was going to say that uh, I think originally cast, uh, the, uh, the, ty- the, the role was originally offered to Emily Blunt. She was and on the that, list, yes. Um, and, but she couldn't do it because of scheduling, right? Um, would Emily Blunt been able to, to make a great Natasha? No doubt. I, In my I, mind, there's see, no doubt about see, it. See, and this is the thing. I, I yeah. I, I'll be I, honest with you. I put them in the same category. And the reason yeah. why I know this is because uh, we were like, "Do we want to talk about Mary Poppins?" You're like, "I hate her." No, but listen, <laughs> we're not. We're not going to get it. We're not going to get into that. But I that. think that that's what I'm saying. It is interesting that this. It would have been the same thing, and yet, despite my sort of lukewarmness to her, I have enjoyed her in this part from the beginning, and have always been intrigued. Mm. I know. I know it's very fair to, uh, and for good reason. To to crap on Josh Whedon these days. That said, he's he he, he did develop that character in Avengers and made her and in, immediately this character you where you go, yes, give me more of her. I want to know more of who she is, what she's all about, and she is developed through the you know these Marvel Cinematic Universe films over these past you know you know close to two decades now. Let's uh, um and. I'm sorry, uh, uh, you know, uh, over a decade. And here's the thing. The character is killed off in Endgame, and, you know, the assumption is, well, I guess we're never going to get that solo movie, but, hey, we get a solo movie. So it's a film that has to take place in the past. Um, Here they drop it on on, in our laps, and they say it's taking place immediately after Civil War. Okay, so that's our starting point. So uh, John here is going to hear a lot of spoilers talk because he didn't get a chance to see a Black Widow. It's and, a movie, right? Not a show. Yeah, it's a movie. Yeah, it's a movie, um, uh, which was affected by COVID and all the rest because it was supposed to be released. Yada yada. I have a Disney Plus account that I've been paying into for a few <laughs> and, months. And John was like, and I was like, I was watching Loki, and I'm like, okay, I'm done with Loki. The podcast is coming up. I want to participate a little bit at least. Uh, let me put on Black Widow now. God damn. Well, look, I mean, uh, um, just about that, you know. It's like triple the movie ticket. Black Widow had a budget of $200 million um, and has since grossed to date $264 million. And it's already been out for three weeks at this point, I believe. Um, right, and we have to it, again, obviously, COVID times. COVID times, but it is considered are, is a, is a, yeah, a massive a hit success in, in, in the post-COVID, you know. But also in, in the sense of uh, uh, Disney, in the Disney sense. Um, so there's this there's this idea, this calculation that of the four Disney things that have 
come that have been released. Um, uh, Mulan, uh, Raya, uh, um, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, what was the, uh, what was the, I forget what the third one was. And then Black Widow. Four, three out of the four have failed. This one being the big, the, the, the success. So this and a is, lot of that can be up to timing, vaccinations, yeah, you know, being more widespread. But it's basically Disney just. But it, yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, although although it has had a precipitous sort of decline in its profits. Sure. As as well, um, I don't know if that can be chalked up to piracy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that can be chalked up to people wanting to see it. I don't possibly word of mouth. I don't know. Um, but they deliver us this film now. As this character has already been developed and then is now currently deceased in the in the in the MCU, and I, as a general, as a general feeling for the movie overall, is I didn't come away all that impressed, and I also felt, and I know you said you enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's not that I there wasn't a lot of moments of enjoyment. There were. There is a lot of really great scenes and great moments in this movie. Can I can I quote you? Like this is this is the text that came out of Miguel. Right. For, for first thing uh, from Black Widow. Um, I liked it so much. I love nothing about it. Those are your exact words. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, you know, I, that's pretty apt. Yeah. It's like I, there's you know, it's like there's a lot of great stuff. Scar Joe. Um, reveals a lot like that's one of the things I'll give as a big plus this is about Black Widow you definitely get to know more of her and one of the key things I think that is important is that this is a character who has kept her cards close to her vest for her entire time she's been in the MCU right and her whole thing is conning people her whole thing is getting people to reveal things that they don't want to reveal so you don't know when she's being honest you don't know when her reaction to something is based in honesty but she's still using it to, to play an angle here, they strip that away from the character because they introduce this element of the quote-unquote family that she has. And we learned that Natasha had been brought into the world of espionage at a very, very, very young age. Um, that she's a orphan, you know, brought into this world. And as sort of one of her earliest missions, and literally... We're talking, how old would you say she was in that? Was 13, she maybe? Was, she I she think, was not even like a full-grown like, no, teenager. I, I she think seemed like between 12 and like 14. The Florence Pugh character, uh, when they were children, she uh, was nine. So she's like got three years on her. Uh, Natasha has three years on her, I think. So uh, either way, it's like yeah, like the, yeah, yeah, 12, 12 13. 13, right? So. right? And so we learned that Natasha's earliest mission was... An undercover mission um, as a as a plant family in the United States of America uh, with uh, who's the actress who plays David, David, um, uh, the mother Rachel Weiss, aka Mrs. Daniel Craig. Yeah, uh, Rachel Weiss as uh, Melina, and then David Harbor uh, is Alexei. playing as as Alexei the red the quote unquote red guardian. We'll get into who that is Dynamite, and why that's important. Crimson Dynamo. <laughs> yeah. And um her and Yelena Belova were uh they were all pretending to be a family and an undercover mission and they complete said mission and have to flee the states. They stole uh, when they when, stuff. when when they when they when they flew the coop um uh, uh Rachel Weiss's character is wounded and sort of the the family is dispersed. This mm-hmm. sort of thing that was like 
you learn, well, they liked being together, that they were good together, that, that you know, there was genuine affection amongst these people who they, were playing this so role. So they defect to, they, they, uh, right off the bat, from the beginning of the movie, um, this family, they make their escape on, on, a, on a private... Right, little, they don't defect. They, they're, they're, this is, they're go to, they go to Cuba because well, it's a Soviet because yeah, right. it is a Soviet operation. Outpost, right. So again, they're not. They, but we learned that there's definitely sympathies that maybe a lot of them want, and especially Natasha and her sister. And from that point, their process basically it's like okay, and they're all both right. brought. And instead, the family's broken up, mm -hmm. and the girls are sent through the Web Black Widow program. To the, yeah, to the and then we room. understand a lot of that is you know Natasha has talked about that in the MCU in the past, and so. Here's where things, again, part of my problems with the movie, where that beginning sequence is so good and makes you really feel, they really make you feel for Natasha. And like I said, because the family element comes in, you know that whenever she's talking, she's being honest. Almost all of this film is Natasha being honest about who she is and what she feels about whatever the situation is, right? So that's good. That's great. However, okay, let me ask you a question having seen it. How did this, how, do you remember exactly how the ball gets rolling on this story exactly? The ball in terms of the, the actual plot of it? Okay, like, like okay, who, d d was it Yelena that sends the stuff to her? Yeah, so basically, and, and listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Miguel with this, is that I enjoyed the hell out of this movie, um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, so... Uh, basically, the, the there's a serum, right? The serum dust that basically everyone's trying to protect, right? Um, because it is, in fact, the the, the MacGuffin that's going to deprogram everyone who's been processed um, by, in the, the in the, by the Red Room, which which turns out tons of other Black Widows. Yeah, which, by the way, which is basically a, 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 a good part of the plot, which is right. there are Black Widows throughout and the whole entire a, and world. And this is an issue because like, they were like, oh, the Red Room. Natasha's like, oh, I destroyed it, blah, blah, blah. It's like there's all this history yeah. that we didn't see, weren't familiar with, didn't really know. And, it's and like, Natasha's learning like, wait a minute. I thought I destroyed, I destroyed the Red it, Room. I thought I destroyed the person that's and, behind the Red Room. Right, and yeah. here's this character, the villain and all the rest of this stuff. Draco. And you're kind of like... I don't feel one way or another about it all that strongly. This is not that dissimilar to Winter Soldier, which is basically in Winter Soldier, um, the, 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 you know, they, they do this whole thing where it's like, okay, we have enemies uh, um, throughout the whole entire world, you know, uh, um, uh, Hydra. Hydra has reach, global reach. Right. The, well, again, it's then, the idea of, of sleeper agents sleeper that you agent, can control, right. right? So, again, you know, I didn't even think of it, but there's, there is that element of like, well, we've seen this thing before. Mm. So that was, I think, another sort of like, in my mind, a, a demerit for the movie. But again, there's even with all this stuff, there's a lot of good stuff because it's essentially Natasha has to reconnect with uh, this family, you know, get them together because she is, you know, in finding out that the Red Room still exists, that there are still widows being under control under their control against their will like her quote unquote younger sister Yelena and they she gets the band back together her family to you know thwart you know the evil general Drakoff only for them to 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 come together and to really fall in love with each other and say we are family after all right oh, yes and know, so like, <laughs> um that's pretty much and the, those scenes i think are they're the strongest and most endearing parts of the movie. Um, I'm not even going to get into the Taskmaster yet and that stuff. <laughs> um, 
But you, you can tell that that's where there's a lot of focus in this movie. Like, and it's understandable. That's the stuff that yields the most tugging of the heartstrings. It's the stuff that uh, yields the most funny stuff. You know what I mean? It gives a showcase to like, again, the second you cast David Harbour as this character and then you see what he does, of course you're going to let him go crazy and you're going to have as many fun scenes as you can with him. No. And that stuff does work. However, the, the sort of main thrust of what is bringing them together and the antagonist forces... I don't, they don't do anything for me. It doesn't really get your juices running. It's all very opaque and strange. And even though they try and make it very big, where it's like, oh, you know, uh, Natasha and her family have to go up against this organization that apparently has, as you said, thousands of agents all over the world. There's this giant thing we never knew about. It feels too big. It feels too big. And then it ends with that, you know, third act finale piece that we said has this sort of like, it's been very, very personal, very, very down to earth, and then now it's like, well, oh no, wait a minute, uh, how, giant house in the sky, um, it's gonna fall out of the sky, and Natasha's gonna have this like, free fall battle, it, no, well, it felt like t it was too impersonal, too big, I think it would have been a better choice had it been a smaller, more personal, like one-on-one -on -one final battle. So the movie is uh, directed by Kate Shirtland, who is an indie European director uh, who's had some uh, accolades um, from, from film festivals and European film festivals, uh, and she's been given this property. And there's no doubt in my mind that you know, you're watching this movie, that it's also obviously a very strong metaphor for girl power, right? Um, you have these scenes with uh, Natasha, who's just getting beat to hell by yeah. Ray Winstone. And, uh, and there are these scenes where, you know, she's saying, you know, she's sort of just egging him on, like, that's all you got? Boy, you're weak, you know? Okay. And uh, now I can't imagine that this, this is a girl watching this. Oh yeah, no, yeah. it's it's, like, it's it's majority female protagonist, majority female antagonist. Yes. Okay, in in the sense of the other widows and uh, like these other female and characters. And that's pretty much what Taskmaster. But and and it also speaks volumes to who Natasha is a character, which is basically, hey, you know, I'm a girl in a, 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 a in, in a room Natasha's, where it's all a sausage fest. Natasha, no, well, not uh, only no yeah, power, Natasha's, and and I have no Natasha's, superpowers. Natasha's womanhood, her femaleness. Is a very essential part of the movie. I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, listen about that. You know, there's that scene where they're on the airplane with um, with with Alexei Red Guardian here, and he doesn't want to hear about Florence the whole... is explaining what they do to you as a widow. A, a, as a widow, which is basically they they perform a hysterectomy. They pull out your 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 fallopian tubes and your okay. and your and, exactly. and, and your vagina out. You know. They no, take, I don't. I don't believe they pull out of well, vagina. You know, basically, but okay, let's, they this, moving on. They this, moving on. They basically obliterate everything, which was they can no longer. What they, makes can, you, they, they, they sterilize. Them. Yeah, they're sterilized. And yeah, like and that, you see what that, that means. aspect of 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 a person's control over their own body, their own destiny, but but very clearly something that is strikes at the heart of what it means to be a woman, or at least a lot of ideas about yeah. what it means to be a woman. Um, like that's they the movie. This is what I can recommend about it is I do think they they peel that onion back on Natasha Romanoff. One of my favorite early scenes, which is why I think the first third of the film 
is its strongest part because it's very born identity. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more subtler. Um, and you get this, like I said, you get to see Natasha Romanoff. So it's like it's right after Civil War. She's on the run from the government and she's laying low. And so she's in this, you know, Airstream trailer in the middle of nowhere. And it's okay, what does Natasha Romanoff, world famous super spy, do in her downtime when she can't be out traipsing about? Well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you asked. Yeah, apparently she likes watching James Bond movies. Uh, with a pint of ice cream, you know, just like, and not just likes them, she has those lines memorized. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And I thought that I love that little detail, and I wished some more of that had been explored. The sort of the idea of, okay, here's the character who is that super spy in her world, right? In her world, James Bond is fiction, but she's real. Well, she's throwing- and like it, so it should be like, okay, what does she think about that kind of stuff? Apparently. Does she look down upon it? Does she was like, I wish it was more like this? There are things that, like, that's just a great element to introduce there. And as I said, the everything Natasha says in the movie is, oh, except the last thing, which is great because they give her her superpower, the ability to interrogate you without you knowing it, and they save that for the end, something we really haven't seen since the first Avengers movie. But she's, all through the movie is... You know, this super calm, super competent. I would also, you would talk about her getting beat up. Holy cow, I was expecting some kind of like, and the widows are enhanced. Some, we've got some super soldier. We've got something going on. They're bionic. They're this, but nope. <laughs> and it's like, that was a, some part that was cool, but also took me a little bit out of the movie because I was kind of like, you have her survive and do some things in this movie where it's like, if she wasn't a Captain America level type character, doesn't make any sense. So that's a little, that's a small nitpick yeah, but on it, my part. It doesn't have to be this movie to, for you to feel like that. Mimi, from the event, from Avengers, she shouldn't have been able to. Right, to, exactly. To, and that's why my assumption was, <laughs> we're going to get some kind of like, she's enhanced. She's, she's enhanced. got cybernetics. She's got this, but no. nope. She's just. <laughs> Normal, normal person uh, who like highly, highly trained, which is cool. That's fine. I, I That's need fine. to back up with uh, the the also the other connections to Double Seven. Um, she's literally thrown into Kate Shortland's version of what a Double Seven movie should be because you have Taskmaster, who they casted Olga Kurienko right. from Quantum of Solace. Okay, uh, Bond girl, Quantum of Solace. Your mo- literally right. and her mother is, 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 is Daniel is Craig's wife. Daniel right? Craig's wife. So I, you know, the there's obvious all of that over there. Yeah, yes, there's know. definitely. I mean, you know, to say that your 007's child in this is uh, well, you know, that, well, okay. That brings me to another one of the good as- the aspects of the film that is so that has a lot of entertaining moments in it for me. I just don't think it the holds. Fallen Castle in the well. Sky, by the way, Moonraker. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, well that's it. The the clip of the film she's watching in the beginning right. is Moonraker, right. and it's like <laughs> they were mooning us, pun intended. Um, uh, speaking of patronages, you know, fathers. I, the, I think one of the brightest moments in this movie. I am okay. I'll I'll preface this with something before I get into it. I don't know about you, but um, I everyone lost their mind over Pugue in this movie, and I'll be honest. She was okay. I liked the character uh, well enough, but I didn't find her that outstanding, that interesting. There were even times where the whole, like, I'm the little sister angle they were going with was a little grating. 
they did have that sort of like they definitely they were playing off of a nuclear family and mm -hmm. flipping it on Odsir by saying like you know like oh well, we're we're you know that that is the they they they're acting like a, an American sitcom family but they are in fact the, you know these deadly trained agents from mm -hmm. the Soviet Union okay but that is that is part of the burden of the fact that you know the, this is a, a, a Char the, the, the character of the movie, it's kind of posthumous, right? Because right, yeah. Natasha's well, dead, we'll you need that. to Maybe set up not. for the next Black Widow, right. you know? Right, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not necessarily against that. I just didn't, I think a lot of people praised Pugin's part, and I thought she was fine. I didn't uh, think, I, it, it, didn't, it didn't blow I me away. Her. Now, however, I enjoyed her enough to want to see her again. Mm -hmm. I, without a doubt, she was good enough that I was like, yeah, I, I want to see what you're gonna, where you're going to go with this character. Who has all of this now importance? Because we know of her connection to mm. Natasha, a character who is, you know, very and also uh, to dun 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 Clint Barton, and yes, Surprise at the end shock. of the, po the post. But um, the other character, for me, the real standout was Harbor. Oh yeah, and everything about him made you want to see him more, get more out of him, but also begged a f ton of questions <laughs> because you're watching it and you're going like, okay. At first, you know, he's does, introduced... Does he, does he talk about me? Yeah, well, no. <laughs> first, he's introduced as this great father to them, right? Uh. And it's obvious he, in that part where he, they break up, that it's like, he didn't really want to be a... Like, he didn't consider this operation to be a good use of his abilities, right? And then we learn he's not, like, in their escape attempt, he's pulling Captain America maneuvers. He's obviously an enhanced individual, right? For whatever reason, he is sent off... To the gulags by the Soviets, and he doesn't really see any more action in the field, at least as far as we know, right? And we don't know how old the character is. We don't know really how what his precise origin. But uh, there's one section in the movie where he's in a, he's in prison, and he's bragging about having fought Captain America, and like the guys point out, it's like, well, this couldn't have been Captain America didn't come out of the ice until X Y Z. So, and but so okay, so at first you're like, oh, he's a bullshit artist, right? That's your uh, mm -hmm. your assumption. But then he meets Natasha, and, later on, and he's talking to her as though he like is like, does he ever talk about me? Does he ever like who Captain America? And I don't consider us, you know, enemies. But you know, we're you know, I just want to know makes, that we're and therefore that we're basic peers. question like, how old is Alexei in this, or is it Isaiah Bradley? Right? I'm like, we don't know. Is it something like that that yeah. could be connected to like Falcon and Winter Soldier or something else that you could do more stories with? And then we get the whole like, oh wait a minute. He is or was a known public figure in, 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 Soviet. in the Soviet Russia that had his own action figures and was followed by people and gets fan mails from people, you know. <laughs> so it's sort of like, okay, what are you doing with your That aside, many questions about that aside, Harbor delivers in this part. Mm -hmm. He's so much fun. He's so endearing. Um, it really, and again, he, you know who he, he really is? This is literally... It is a sitcom family. Dad is dad is a big <laughs> dad is a big sort of like oblivious slob. Mom is hyper competent. She's got the the two daughters who are thick as thieves. You know what I mean? Like this is like it's all the, the setup is all there. Um, but there was no question. Then someone uh, someone online uh, did really um, confirm the. The genuineness of the family unit, right? You know, like uh, someone's pointed out, like the Easter eggs, uh, the tattoos that's on his bodies. There, there are two names in, in, in Russian tattooed on his arm. 
that says Natasha and Yelena. So like it's it's like oh those really true yeah, are and his that, girls, that right? tracks for that kind of character, yeah. right? And that that's the aspect of this movie that work. Where it starts to fall apart is the sort of specifics of the plot again, mm. and the real I'm sorry the real feeling that. They didn't develop their main antagonists well enough to make us care about defeating them or anything. And then there, it just feels like there is a shoehorned, by-the-numbers, Marvel third act, we need to have this type of big action sequence. And like to, to the point where it, it almost feels like they filmed a lot of stuff in on a set where it wasn't supposed to be. Like It makes more sense when you look at the set of where they go, the Red Room, that that's a mountain, right? That that's that's one of those like um, it, that instead of doing Moonraker Secret fortresses. Well, like yeah. instead of doing Moonraker, it should have been you only live twice mm -hmm. with the with, with the you know with the inactive volcano with the top that moves off. Like, yeah. and it feels like maybe that's originally what they is. They may have even shot it that Kyle, way. You silly, silly person, you. Uh, we it, Soviet Russians do not you know have. Uh, Secret bases on volcanoes. First off, first off, Kamchatka volcanic area <laughs> is protected area in Soviet <laughs> Russia. No, but like, it felt like even maybe that was how it was filmed, and then they shifted gears. I was like, nah, let's make it a a thing in the sky, like a well, helicarrier. I'm more interested in your in your theory that your, or your idea. You you had told me that this feels like you know like a fourth draft of something Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It feels like it, that whole that whole finale was sort of like shoehorned in after they were like, "Uh, oh, it's a Marvel movie where well, go. And that I'm goes to because the, and that goes to what you're talking about with the director. It feels like as often they bring someone with all this indie cred and they're like, "We want you to bring mm -hmm. these elements to it." And they do. Mm -hmm. But then there's this scaffolding that they have to work on this Marvel formula stuff. And it it almost feels like they said, "Hey, don't even worry about the fourth act. We're going to take care well, of that. Well, but this is the thing, though. It's a, um, because of it being... How many times has this been rescheduled? Right? You know, right. for them and the pressure is on. They may have, like, like you said, they may have well have said, oh, God, we originally had this as the ending, but and that is we the, really want to make a real burden of Marvel movies slamming, to... You know, finale. Marvel movies trying to make a billion dollars on each, uh, each yeah, film. Yeah, and, and I think that this movie would have benefited a lot more. If it were had smaller, they, more intimate. Had, exactly. Had they brought the stakes and everything else down, how, I mean, I like that they're introducing the idea of Yelena and stuff like that. And that, you know, you have a legacy character, but also, like, you know, give her some important, because, and she's going to have importance, so let's do something with that story. But that's what it should have been about. Instead of it being about, oh, Natasha is going to free all of these faceless, nameless widows that we don't even know, and we're going to have a whole thing with Taskmaster, again, which was not developed all that well. Make it a, I am doing this to free Yelena from control. <clears throat> I, thought I, had, I thought I had destroyed the Red Room. I did to, to a certain degree. And instead of it being like, it's up and running and it's got thousands, of, it's starting again. And they started with Yelena, and they're using her, and I've got to get her out of her. Or maybe Yelena is in this sort of situation where they do a gloss on Bucky, but different. You do it like, Yelena's like, I'm, I can get out of their control, but it's not permanent. you got to help me fully realize my freedom and make it something. And then you can do something, again, have it be just be more personal, smaller scale at the end there. And instead... You just end up with this sort of thing where it's like, I'm just waiting for this big finale to finish. I swear to God, mm. 
the only highlight of that third act is the her where they bring back Natasha's interrogation skill thing, where she you know you know you really feel when Drakov hits her or or even just threatens it or you feel it and then you realize oh she's she's doing what she did to Loki and it's great, and then we get into the whole falling from the sky yada yada thing you know. Le- I wonder- last thing, last thing, last thing. Um, you said that one of the things about it is being a movie for a posthumous character and sort of the issues with that inherent. And there is an issue here. And I'm sure that they would have liked to have made a Black Widow trilogy, but that just not wasn't how the, it played out in the cards. That said, we get to the end of this movie, a movie that takes place in between MCU installments already. And they're like, oh, Natasha's about to get captured by Thunderbolt Ross. <gasps> Fade to black. Two weeks later, <laughs> Natasha's walking around. She's she's clearing free. She gets her quinjet. She, she gets right. a quinjet somewhere out of and nowhere, the and she gets of, her blonde hair. The beginning of Infinity War, right? And um, well, it well, actually no, the breakout, then Infinity War. And that's the thing. This still clearly takes place two years before when Team Cap reemerges in Infinity War, right? So they've got this gigantic hole. First hole, a p- big part of that hole is how does Natasha get away from Thunderbolt well, Ross? That, that was my next does question. Does that matter? Right? Is that going to play into something? That, that was my next question is like, okay, uh, one thing that we definitely need to address is what are they doing with William Hurt here? Like, and I'm talking about the larger MCU picture of, of Thunderbolt Ross because uh, are they forming uh, a new Avengers? Are they forming a Dark Avengers? Are they forming Thunderbolts? Right? So... Um, uh, listen, you know, the She-Hulk series is coming up, okay? Um, is there a Red Hulk aspect there? Is there a Red Hulk there? aspect there? And, you know, like, Thunderbolt Ross starts off the MC, the, his MCU um, uh, appearances in... From the uh, uh, from the from in the Incredible Hulk, from the Incredible Hulk, uh, with with, uh, with with Abomination, we're gonna get Abomination in Shang Chi. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are they gonna continue to set him up as that you know that character and is? This I'm anti, gonna I got Nick Fury. I'm, I'm, I'm hunting I'm, Banner down, you know, because I'm on. I'm because we well, gotta control see, this well, weapon. I, well, see, I think on practical, I've told you this before. On practical levels, that doesn't work because Banner's not a menace. He can't have any justification for going after He's Banner. Not anymore. Because, but still. Ban- because Banner is like, I'm cool. I'm just, you know, but I'm this guy with a... Ross has always been, you know, he's he's that Ahab, he's, right? He's a, you know? Well, I think that they ha- he's set up as a good government foil. That's what they have him. He's a good government foil. Now, as you said, does is William Hurt interested in continuing this? Will they shift gears to something else? Will they recast? He's an older guy. He had apparently had problems on set. Like he can't. He's not very mobile these days. I, I, I really heard. okay. Um, he's old. He's old dude. Wow. Um, Duke Lee. But without a doubt, there seems to be something that seems to be pointing in my in my opinion, and I think you agree with some gloss on Thunderbolt slash. Dark Avengers, and we we see that there's, we know that Yelena is working for Contessa, for the Contessa. We know that U.S. Agent is working for the Contessa. Will Abomination turn out to be working for the Contessa? I don't know. Or would they bring her in in that way? Um, what? Why does the Contessa want one of her agents to go after Hawkeye? You know, which is the end of this. You know, is the end of this movie. Um, 
so there's stuff going for a Black Widow for Yelena going forward in different ways. Mm. And like I said, she has a lot of power because she has a connection to Natasha. But I don't think we're done with Natasha. Because, because of that ending, and two years plus five, there are two years of, of story to play with between when they're under when Cap and his team are underground, but then after the snap, there are there's a five year gap where you also could do stories with Natasha. Da, comrade, you're saying Natasha is a scroll. The one who died on the. <laughs> I, now I'm not saying that. Although, although if you want to do something, they could retro, they could retcon that. But you could do a bunch of stories with this family they've created mm. for Natasha. That could be like, just comes into her life at different times. She has this side adventure, this thing that affected her, or whatever. Well, hey, in I between mean, these, in between these points, um, and we learn things and stuff gets introduced and characters gets introduced that that can still be used. They can have their cake and eat it too, is what I'm saying. Bucky is, uh, um, uh, I think we've we have not obviously we haven't seen the last of Bucky, and he's had a whole entire career as the Winter Soldier. I, you know, I wish they would go there, but the first problem is is that they established. Mm that they weren't going to do the Bucky-Natasha relationship. Oh, I don't mean that. I mean, just like, you know, where he would pop up here and there. But, but I'm saying, like, Natasha, the, Tasha, Natasha had to have had, um, th that couldn't have been the first time that, that, that he's She crossed paths with some yeah. of her heroic characters, what you're saying, uh, her and Hawkeye? I don't know. Or maybe, or maybe but see, this is But this is what I'm saying. You can still do movies with Natasha. Yeah. I don't think you're done. Mm -hmm. You can, they can give us the Budapest story. Okay. The hey, for, hey, this Ed, is the one of the the, the biggest. Okay, Ed, Ed. Let's be honest. Disappointments okay? is that we were we were like okay. Oh, they're sending Elena after Hawkeye, and then afterwards we learned oh, Pugue is going to be in the Hawkeye mm -hmm. show. How do we know we don't get Budapest there, Ed? And how do we know it's not going to have ScarJo? Yeah. You you want to talk about? Something that would get your, you know, in the same way that here's like, oh, Kang, you know, blows up Loki. Could you imagine, like, we get to, you know, third or fourth episode of the Hawkeye show, and it is Hawkeye, re you know, recounting the Budapest story mm -hmm. after, before, after he has some con confrontation with Yelena? That's good stuff. And this is, this is, like I said, the issue with the movie. I'm, there's so much that's very, that was smart, that was well done. It just doesn't hang together as all. It was very, by the end of it, was like, okay, that was a thing I just watched. You liked the characters, but it, it just didn't hold together for me anything. I think you liked it a lot more than me, though. Well, yeah, but that's not with a lot, with certain obvious disappointments. Taskmaster, who we didn't even get to, like, yeah. you know, complete waste. You know, of we should cover, we should cover Taskmaster the way the movie covered him. <laughs> you know, with the, as an as a bit of an afterthought, because that's a huge thing. Taskmaster John, okay, is this big character from the comics. Now, okay, you know what? He's a character that has grown in prominence. I've always thought of him as Marvel's Deathstroke. That's that's how a I've always very cool it. villain who can you can use in multiple ways as this ultimate badass guy. But he's never he didn't really reach. The, he had to work his he way. He had to work up his way to becoming to like even the B list, becoming right? the villains, the, the the guy who teaches the villains how to fight. You know, uh, well, yeah. The basic idea is is, is Taskmaster is, um, he isn't superhuman in any aspect of himself except kind of like one, 
And that's that, as usual in the Marvel Universe, everyone is trying to recreate the stuff that made Cap, Cap, right? The super soldier serum. One of the variants of the super soldier serum is this thing that this, uh, this S.H.I.E.L.D. agent gets exposed to. And it gives him this photo refle- photo reflexive memory or something. That's what they call it. Basically, he can watch what you're doing and learn how to use um, use a software that you're using, right? You know, just um, visually just seeing visually you one seeing time. You. But obviously, if he watches how Cap throws a shield, he doesn't have the the super soldier serum, but he knows how to throw a shield. Uh, knows how to fight like Spider Man, but the drawback is he doesn't have Spider Man right. strength to back it up. But okay, that's for like the. But yeah, the drawback so- is. He's got this ability like, oh, I can watch one guy do uh, a kung fu technique and I can do it. And he can even do weird stuff like I can give myself almost super speed or at least be really by watching this like fight footage sped up. <laughs> He's got one problem. And that is that this... The, Mr. Short-Term Memory. Actually, yes, he is Mr. Short-Term Memory. He, this all started, we find out eventually, when he first shows up, Taskmaster in the comics is, I'm the guy that teaches all these henchmen how to fight. I'm the, I'm, like, so whenever, like, you, the, the heroes storm the bad guy's base, there's, like, 10,000 guys that are in karate gis or whatever the matching outfits are that get their asses kicked. So you think that maybe they would be like, hey, your guys aren't all that good. But this was their explanation. It was like, who's this guy? I'm the taskmaster. I run the schools for villains. But I said he was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, right? How is he working for the bad guys? <laughs> it is. It's a con. It's a con set up by Shield. The idea is like, oh, oh like entrapment. Yeah. Or keeping tabs. Yeah. Agent Tony Masters, <clears throat> Taskmaster. Um, he's a Shield agent. His wife is his handler. But the more he uses his power, he loses that. He loses a memory. He doesn't, so he's got to the point where he doesn't even remember that he was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent anymore. And he's this guy who's been doing assassinations and working for all of these bad guys for years and years and years. And it turns out he's not, he, no, he's actually one of, he's on the, he's on the good guy side. He's been working, he's supposed to be working for the good guy. And he has his wife who is his quote unquote handler. And he doesn't even, he doesn't remember that that was his wife. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and think about what you could do with that, John. Well, that's not going to be the Taskmaster in the MCU because they basically just make it a one-note thing where they have one scene where uh, the Taskmaster character uses that power of copying other moves and other stuff. It doesn't go anywhere. So they, in the movie, they've set up that... Um, Boy, I forgot my social security number. So here's the thing. In the movie, they set up the idea that um, uh, Natasha, who has struggled with this idea of her red ledger, right? Her being an Avenger, the whole point of her is just, you know, just making, just writing wrong. I need, I want personal redemption. Yeah, you know, and so uh, her one- Taskmaster turns into one of those things where it's like, I did something, I created this person to be this, I set them on, I want to write that wrong. And this is where, this is where uh, um, she has this memory of, well, she was sent by S.H.I.E.L.D. as an ultimate test before defecting the S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm going to kill this Russian villain, right? Um, and instead, she and instead, ends up, they, because the Russian villain has his daughter, 
And she instead of aborting, she decides to like, wait, like because that was like that's how you knew he was home. That's how you knew he was definitely there. So the, daughter the daughter comes in, and it's just like, and she decides to do that as her final like ripping the like, I'm I'm no longer an agent of the yeah. Russian government. That I'm was her work for Shield. Now the uh, the, the one of the one of the one of the penultimate scenes is basically like, you know, dot dot dot. We're gonna reveal who Taskmaster is. It's the daughter, and it's the daughter of the bad guy. Uh, okay, but she's not. A character. No. She barely has no lines. Foil. And no. the sort of like, they wanted to winter soldier her. They really wanted to make her dark and mysterious and foreboding. And it didn't work. And what they gave up again, I, you know what? Make her, I don't care about the sex change. Make her Antonia Masters. I don't give a crap about that. Well, but the Antonia fact is, was her name. Right, it was it? Oh, Antonio oh, Drakeoff. Oh, was it Antonio? Okay, okay. I said, well, not so, the Masters. You just Bravo. played yourself. Comrade. I just played myself. <laughs> I guess I did. Um, okay, that. But I'm saying, give her. They could have gone with that old, something more connected to that, um, comic book canon origin, and keep her around. Whereas now, I don't. And they didn't. And even if they didn't do that, they could have at least exploited the idea of the character, which is. Hey, um, uh, the, this is a, su a supervillain who can copy the physical moves of all these other characters. Let's show that. And they could have done something like I was totally expecting a Black Widow family four on one, like fight off. You know what I mean? That that was going to be there was going to be something along those lines. To uh, now, you 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 weren't down with the 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 the, the falling castle and the whole. The, the the last fight where everyone's just you know on a free fall, I I kind of I kind of liked it I kind of enjoyed it um, because the whole time I'm like they and they they myth bust us you know can you do the, can you pull this off where you know you have enough time to 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 grab a shoot and put it on again Listen, and again Ed, have busted, if but. they had just given us that she's enhanced that the widows are enhanced <laughs> you'd be like I I I'd be like yes it but was instead, a good. I don't know how many minutes of free-falling... Uh, it's a good 10 to 12 10 to minutes of minutes. this shit. Yeah. But I will say this, though. Before I knew it, I'm like, oh, they already landed, you know? like um, Because so Yelena, the, the kid sister, uh, she's on a free-fall. Natasha grabs the, 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 the parachute. See, that's the thing. I, I found all that very underwhelming. You know, I, I again, if I, I would have rather... <laughs> yeah, it's not, I'm not saying it's not, but uh, like I found it kind of like okay, here we're going, we're doing. Like if it had been much more an intense, much more of a up, like a one, make that make make and this is the thing, make Taskmaster much more imposing, mm -hmm. um, uh, at uh, all through the movie, and then have it as like oh you're completely unbeatable here, uh, and I've got to come up with some play, mm -hmm. and they I don't think they really now, did that, that they didn't do right, um. Oh, but see, that's the thing. Overall, the movie has all of these really great elements. But I, because that fourth act, the, the third act is so eh. And the, the because again, MacGuffin. a lot of the essence, yeah, the, again, the Monsieur MacGuffin thing yeah. doesn't really. And the and again, the villains, the, Drakeoff as a villain is not fleshed out. And his villainy is, is somewhat on the opaque and weird. And like those, all that combined overall, I, I don't think I would, I don't think I could honestly recommend this as a movie that I think is really good and really entertaining. Even though there's so much stuff that 
was really well, fun. Look, I mean, because and of that, had a lot of great scenes in it. Because of that, and I've said to you, like, I liked it better than Captain Marvel. You know, I liked it better than, dare I say, Black uh, Black Panther. Um, because yeah, well, I'm, because because I am diametrically opposed to both of those, but well, that's be- fine. Because, you can have your decision, but I yeah. I think that this is many, in my opinion many notches below both those movies if i had to if i had to rank them on a three scale it would definitely be panther captain marvel and then black well, widow would be on certainly a, being like this is not a, at a, a number four this is not one of the the major marvel studio movies in my opinion but um then again like you know i've heard john campia say like uh you know this is not he keeps saying this is not a top tier marvel movie i'm like wait what's top tier to you is Ant-Man not top tier to you and I'm sorry Ant-Man is one of the the best Marvel mo- uh, movies Yeah it doesn't have I, I don't think that it, this should be judged just on the bigness or whatever of sure. this, right you know I it, it shouldn't be Um I would I would say Ant-Man is is top tier Marvel mm-hmm. I would say Civil War is top tier Marvel I think Black I think Black Panther is, is except for it's except for the fact that the special effects in that third act are crap I think Black Panther is top tier Marvel. I don't, I, I can't, this is very middle of the road Marvel to me. Mm. This is not Ant-Man, this is Ant-Man and the Wasp. You know what, me, I take it back. Uh, I will level it, um, uh, while they're very different movies, Black Panther and, and, and Black Widow are very different movies, but I, I think I can say I like them uh, equally. But again, it's not a, it's not a pissing contest. You know, like I, I'd have to judge this very uh, as as do any other movie. You know, you, have, you should have told me that beforehand, Ed, because I have I've saved up all this piss. <laughs> I have. I, I don't know but, what that means. I have bottles and bottles of piss. <laughs> I don't know what that means. And we're gonna grade them. <laughs> and at the end of it, you will see that my piss is of a higher quality than your piss. <laughs> That's what we call an old-fashioned pissing contest. <laughs> Um, I think, I think, uh, ra- again, I think that this just wraps us up with the fact that like, uh, I think you, you enjoyed it more. I, I had my issues. I don't think I could recommend it, but there is a lot of stuff that I did enjoy. So take that, take it with a, with a grain of salt. And there's obviously all these elements that are going to be, uh, throughout the rest of the MCU, um, in the in the months and years to come, because you know we have stuff that's coming sooner than later. Um, so that wraps it up f- here for this episode. Um, we have uh, some other shows coming up here. Like I said, we're going to be definitely going to be doing a Richard Donner show. We got uh, He Man coming up. We got a He Man <laughs> show that's coming up that, uh, soon because uh, that actually premieres in just a few days. Well, not only that, but because you've been on a He Man kick. Uh, well, only because this show is coming up. But yes, I've gone down a. You know, oh, oh, the humanity, <laughs> the humanity. Now, Miguel Velez has been practicing his uh, his he man. Nope, I know he has. This is this is fact. <coughs> and we're gonna need a lot of reverb for here, you know. So that's Earth, <laughs> the planet my mother came from. What was that he man? Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's actual lines from actual, actual lines from actual, actual, actual show. So, that's Earth, the planet my mother comes from. What was that, He Man? Oh, nothing. <laughs> See, because we know that He Man's mom came from Earth, but not everybody else. But I didn't know it was anyway. Um, uh, yeah, we're. I'm. I'm excited. I hope. Uh, um, this is where I'm happy that Netflix does the binge 
like all at once. So uh, when the 23rd comes, Kevin Smith's uh, He-Man show will do. And like I said, we have uh, the Richard Donner uh, show coming up. Uh, do we have some final parting words from our mascot? To be continued, comrade. To be continued, Cameron. Wow. Wow. Hey, thanks for listening to To Be Continued, a family podcast. Please check us out at www.tobecontinuedafanboypodcast.com. You can also be found on Twitter, Facebook, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify.